Hey everyone, welcome to episode 26 of Internal Budget. As always, Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver 7 Cents, coming at you, hoping you had a fantastic weekend and are getting set for a great week. My guest today is a friend of the show. You all know him very well. He has a very successful YouTube channel covering the Ottawa Senators and an awesome podcast that I've even featured on called The Best of Seven Podcast. You should definitely check it out. And for today's episode, please enjoy hearing from Sens Talk, Brandon Plant. Brandon Plant, Sends Talk. Welcome back to the show, brother. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brandon. The best Brandon's on Sends Twitter, without a doubt. Exactly. The double dose of Brandon's. Ah. Uh, you were looking at dogs today, man. I'm sure the listeners want to hear uh, hear about the puppies. How was that? Well, I think any listener or Twitter user or anything loves to hear a little story about puppies. So we went down to Renfro the other day, well, today, and uh, saw some good old doodles. And uh, I'm really happy to report that there's a good chance Senstalk will be getting a puppy very soon. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a great feeling. I've been waiting for the 18 years of my life. I've been waiting for a pup. And uh, the day I'm waiting for the day to happen, you know, it's still nothing confirmed. Um, but... Once the day happens, it's going to be an amazing day. Uh, we looked at some Google and Doodles, and um, I'm, I'll be sure to post some dog pictures on Twitter. I know those get a lot of interactions and a lot of v- tweets, retweets, etc. And uh, stay tuned on, on my Twitter. Uh, definitely going to post some pictures soon. But yeah, Brandon, uh, just an absolute pleasure to see these puppies. And uh, they're so cute when you hold them. You know, they're so tiny. Yeah. And, uh, man, it's crazy. It just, just look, hold this little thing and just the way they're going to grow through the years. It's insane. I love to hear that. Why don't we jump right into things here, man? Uh, there was some news that wasn't exactly hockey related, but it was something that struck a chord with you being a, a young Jewish man. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson made some remarks that uh, could only really be described as anti-Semitic in the politest of terms. Talk to me about what that's been like for you to see you know, such high-profile vitriol that's targeted at you and tell me a bit about how, how that affected you and um and what you think about uh anti-semitism in sports and kind of how far we have to go i'll let you take the lead the lead there well i think as a proud jewish person i'm very proud of my heritage and my culture and uh you know uh seeing these comments and posts and quotes that deshaun jackson shared was nothing but disturbing and uh, disheartening um, you know, as a proud Jewish person, I believe, you know, you look at what's going on right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a great movement. It's a great, uh, of course, everyone should get behind that because they do with Black Lives Matter. And uh, it's a really important thing, especially right now with the injustices that are going around the world. Um, I think that all minority communities and all communities that face injustice should fight and be together. And when Deshaun Jackson posted these things and then really for for a few days stood by these comments, he didn't see anything wrong with them, didn't delete them until the Philadelphia Eagles and the really the world itself had a big backlash against him. Um, you know, I think uh, the punishment wasn't harsh enough, um, but I'm glad that he is trying to educate himself. I think that's great. I like what Julian Edelman did. 
uh, you know, offering to take him to the Holocaust Museum in Washington and talk talk about the issues with over burgers and beers. I thought that was great. Uh, but with Deshaun Jackson, I, I see somebody that's trying to learn, regardless if that's being forced on by the le- by the team or the league. Uh, it's great to see Deshaun Jackson at least trying to trying to learn about the issues that Jewish people have faced. You know, with the Holocaust, of course, with the anti-Semitism that we face every year, uh, every single day, really. Uh, in New York City, for example, anti-Semitism was the number one. Um, you know, hate crime. So it's not spoken about enough and it really needs to be spoken about because Jews uh, throughout the world have been facing these issues for years. And uh, you look at Steven Jackson and, uh, you know, it's too bad because I feel like he lost all credibility. You know, he's defending uh, these Hitler comments and he's he's basically saying that anti-Semitism isn't as big of an issue as we're, as we're saying, which is completely false. So with Steven Jackson, I think that's really what's bothering me is Steven Jackson's, you know, not only defending Deshaun Jackson's claims, he's also sort of okay with them. And on top of that, you look at majority of the NFL, except Zach Banner and Julian Edelman and a couple other guys, majority of the NFL players haven't said one word um, about this issue. And I think that's what's really, really disheartening. It's not the comments itself from Deshaun Jackson. It's the fact that no one's really stepping up, you know, to speak out against the injustices in the Jewish community, to speak out against anti-Semitism, against the hate crimes, you know. Jewish people, it's not spoken about enough, but you look at that shooting at the Tree of Life uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh last year, and, and, you know, you see all these other attacks. Um, You know, it's it's really terrible. I think in a time of divide around, especially in America and North America as a whole, I think it's important for our communities uh, that have faced backlash and have faced injustices for no reason just because of the color of their skin or just because of their faith, I think it's important that, you know, we should stick together and fight together and be together. And uh, for some reason, I'm not saying all, but I'm saying there's a good portion of people on Twitter, on the internet and everything that are are, are saying that anti-Semitism doesn't matter and that our, our, our issues don't matter as much as theirs. And I think that's wrong. I think we should stand up for all acts of injustice and, um, you know, it's just disheartening to see how a lot of people just haven't really touched up on it. I think that was very well said on your part. When talking about Deshaun Jackson, he's a guy who I think a lot of people want to give the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I've always liked him. He's a former Buccaneer, you know. Yeah. So, but what he said was indefensible. I, I mean, look, any time you're quoting Adolf Hitler yes. in, a, in a positive light, there's no real coming back from that. I'm in agreement with you that I don't think the punishment was harsh enough. Um, I think it's good that he's repenting and he's kind of trying to right his wrong. And look, maybe he didn't fully understand Uh, whether that's excusable or not, whether that ignorance is excusable or not. It's not for me to decide. But I want to know what... As someone who's non-Jewish like myself, I want to know what you think that people like me can do to both educate themselves and to both and to kind of raise awareness and join you in this cause and be more vocal about speaking about speaking out against anti-Semitic behavior and remarks. Well, the biggest thing I recommend is to go to your local synagogue and speak to a rabbi. Uh, rabbi, it's 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 something that. If you're not Jewish, it's I guess talking to a priest or whatever. It's it's spiritual. It's just it's very intellectual. And um, if you speak to a rabbi, they'll be more than glad to explain to you the issues that we face. Uh, I think there's no one better to speak to than a rabbi. Of course, you can look on the internet. 
You can look at the Holocaust. Six million Jews and uh, other people, of course, were murdered horrifically by the Nazis. And, you know, you look at all these hate crimes, especially, like I said, the statistic in New York, we, we faced the most hate crimes last year. And that's not it's not a competition, but it's, it's just the fact. So I think as a non-Jewish person, the way you educate yourself, of course, is to read online, read the injustices that Jewish people have faced. But more importantly, go to your local synagogue, go to your any local Jewish leader and just have a discussion with them and just talk about it. Because uh, I think civil dialogue is the biggest strength we have to be to beating these injustices. And uh, if you can do that, that would be great. And you'll learn quite a bit. Do you think this is a problem that doesn't get spoken up, spoken about enough within sports? Is this do you think this Deshaun Jackson thing is more of an isolated incident or is it something that we definitely need to have a bigger conversation about? Well, I. What I'll say is Julian Edelman, firstly, he mentioned in his uh, two-and-a-half-minute video on Instagram, which, by the way, if you're listening to this, make sure to watch that uh, after this podcast because it was a great message from Julian Edelman. And it was a message of Jewish strength where uh, hate, you, you can't defeat hate with hate. You need to defeat hate with love and kindness, is which, which is what I said in my podcast, uh, because that's the truth. That's the Jewish, that's the Jewish way. Uh, that's what it says in our religion. Um, you can't defeat hate with hate. Uh, you, I've spoken to... You know, I've spoken to a lot of Holocaust survivors, right? And every single one told me, you can't defeat hate with hate. Love, kindness will bring you peace. And I think that's a powerful message from the Holocaust survivors. And that's a powerful message that I'm going to send to you because there's too much hate in this world and you can't fight fire with fire. So to answer your question, I don't, Julian Edelman hasn't really said that there's been too many incidences of anti-Semitism. But in the context of it being an issue in sports, I believe that these sports athletes of all different various sports, you know, we're, we're talking up about racism finally. And, you know, that's great. You know, we're not sticking to sports. We shouldn't. We should be sticking to what's important. We should be making change in this this world that's, you know, that we've, we've brushed these issues under the rug for too long. And, um, you know, I think anti-Semitism should definitely be brought up. Uh, you know, like I said, it's one of the leading it's been anti-Semitism has been on the rise over the years, especially in America. And I think um, I think, like I said, previous uh, previously, uh, our community is the black community, the Jewish community, any other minority community really needs to stand together and fight these battles together because the more the merrier to fight these battles. We shouldn't be fighting against each other when we're trying to fight for what's right. So uh, I think there is certainly an issue in the context in sports where not enough players are speaking out about it. Um, but we haven't seen enough evidence of there actually being an anti-Semitism issue uh, in sports. What I will say, though, is it's clear to me that a lot of these players are not educated. I saw a few of them defending, like Stephen Jackson, defending Deshaun Jackson in his comments. And I think as as, pe- as a people, we should educate ourselves as much as possible for any injustice. So, yeah, I think these players in all sports, hockey, football, baseball, etc., should definitely educate themselves on this issue because you can. it's surprising how many people haven't even heard of the Holocaust. So I don't think it's necessarily in sports uh, a Jewish hatred issue. I think it's more of an education issue. That was really well said. And frankly, what you said about um, hate not being able to conquer hate is it's moving. Um, I, I, I think we all need to be a little kinder and a little more understanding to each other and i think we all need to do the work to truly try to educate ourselves on what other people go through and what we can do to be a force for positive change in society so thank you for that brandon that was that was really well said pleasure let's talk some hockey uh the nhl the return to play is inching closer and closer we are a couple weeks from 
teams moving towards or moving into their hub cities and kicking off the start of the qualifying round. And as we've seen in other sports, we're seeing players begin to opt out and decide that they're not going to put themselves and their families at risk of the coronavirus. Names like Mike Green, Travis Hamanick, Stephen Kampfer. I believe it's seven or eight guys. Sven Berchi too. Yep, Sven Berchi too. And even a guy like Max Domi, who has diabetes, is going to take about seven to ten days to decide whether or not he's going to play. Uh, what are your thoughts on guys opting out? I think it's something that's universally agreed upon that players shouldn't uh, be criticized for it. But do you think this is going to cause problems for the NHL? It shouldn't because family comes first. That's that's my motto, a family over anything. And if you, you shouldn't have to defend yourself. You shouldn't have to explain yourself. If you don't want to play a sport and you want to keep your family safe instead, yeah, I completely understand that. And I don't understand... Why there's so many people getting cheesed or upset about it on, uh, you know, on Twitter. Twitter, firstly, is a hellhole. But you know, just all these people getting upset, like Travis Habnick, Mike Green, Sven Barchi. Uh, I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. You know, do what's best for you and your family. And uh, it, this, at the end of the day, the sport is not going to be there forever, but your family will be. So do what's best for you and your family, not the sport. In in the broader context of the NHL, is is this something in your mind that's going to throw a wrench and then coming back because it hasn't been high profile players yet. And I believe that the deadline for guys to decide is Monday, which is strange, which is strange given the Max Domi thing, seeing his, he has almost another two weeks to decide. So I don't fully understand that. Yeah. But, but it, it, do you, does this strike you as again, as something that where it's going to be kind of a domino effect? Maybe we'll start to see some more higher profile guys opt out. Well, I think if a guy like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews drops out, firstly, it would, it's fully their right, and I support them. But if they do, uh, yeah, that would that would definitely be concerning if I was Gary Bettman or Bill Daly. Uh, you know, I, a lot of these players will follow suit. If they feel if Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, not saying they're going to, I don't think they will, but if they do opt out, I feel that a lot of other players would opt out and follow suit because if they're opting out, why, why are we playing, you know? But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think there will definitely be players that opt out. Um, but the, the common consensus is that the players are going to play. And, uh, you know, out of all the four major sports leagues, or five, including MLS, I guess, uh, I think the NHL has the best chance of succeeding just based off of how tight the bubble is going to be. Uh, and, you know, and just the way they're setting it up. So I don't think they'll be really throwing a wrench into the plans. I think the NHL actually has the highest chance of actually completing the season compared to the other leagues, minus the NFL. We don't know what it's going to be like in a few months. So I can't really touch up on that. Um, but yeah, I think we're definitely going to be going to be seeing a couple high-profile names uh, opting out. I think that's given. Uh, it's every sport uh, league has seen that happen. I don't see why the NHL wouldn't see that too. Um, but no, I think the NHL will be will be able to pull through this and get this done. I think the hub cities are going to have a big effect on it. When you look at the leagues that are struggling right now, the MLS is having a really hard time as of today. And for the life of me, I don't understand why these leagues are trying to play in Florida, yeah, which no, is the current, the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic in the world right now. Yeah, 15,000 new cases on Sunday, 15,300. It's unbelievable. It's a catastrophe. Uh, I think the NHL is doing the right thing by moving to areas in Canada where where the where the situation is more under control. Uh, do you do you th so you think they have a better shot of pulling it off than most leagues? And I'm inclined to agree. I think the system they have in place 
could very well be an effective one. It's not quite the UFC where they've flown halfway across the world and cordoned off an entire island. What a fight last night, by the way. Oh, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic night of fights, man. It was a fantastic night of fights. Minus, like, minus, uh, what was his name? Getting his ass kicked. The ref should have called that way earlier. There was a oh, cool Aldo. Fight. Yeah, it was terrible. That fight should have been rough, stopped. Yeah. yeah, that fight should have been stopped way earlier. It was just, um, it was just terrible to watch that. But yeah, yeah, it was a great fight up until that point, though. It was competitive, and the main of. The main event was good, too. For six days' notice, Jorge looked pretty solid. He won the first round, and then Kamaru kind of took over. But uh, but, it, but it was a good fight overall. It was a good night of fights. It was. Uh, um, sorry, getting back to what we were talking about before. The When we're talking about these the NHL's approach, we've established that we both think that they can do it. If I were to ask you right now, should the NHL go forward with things or should they call off the season? What would you say? Well, I think um, the problem is they've already done the draft lottery. So if they didn't do the draft lottery, I'd be inclined to say no, cancel the season, get this, wash it, no cup winner. Uh, just let the players go home and, you know, be with their families during a time of crisis. Um, and I just reboot it and push it to September and see where it is there. And then, because now you're just pushing the league back. For the next year and a half, this is going to be a, the repercussions of this tournament. It's going to be there for at least two, three seasons. So I think um, if it wasn't for the draft lottery, I'd be inclined to say no to, you know, um, do what's right for the families of these players. But at the same time, on a money standpoint, which is not as, as important as families and lives, of course, but on a money or economic standpoint for the NHL, it totally makes sense why they want to do this. Capitalize on viewership, capitalize on eyeballs on tv all over america maybe can grow the sport a bit so i understand it and i think uh, you know right now it should go through they've invested so much into it and it so far it looks fine um but if you asked me a month or two ago before the draft lottery i probably would have told you at, at the situation where we were in and the idea of it being in florida and everything i probably would have told you no but now i'm more comfortable uh, with the idea and i'm especially comfortable with the idea of players having the opportunity to opt out because now they have the opportunity to opt out, and that makes me feel much better because uh, no one's being forced to play. I think I'm in the same boat as you. When I was on CTV a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, Marilla Fernandez asked me, is there any scenario, has the league talked about what they would do if there's a COVID-19 outbreak and they can't play games? Uh, and I said they've been very cautious about committing to any sort of plan where they would shut things down then that's the thing the league doesn't make as much money as the nba as the nfl so they've taken on huge financial losses this season that they're going to need to recover from uh so i don't know if i see a scenario outside of a league-wide catastrophe like where multiple teams have these huge outbreaks yeah where they cancel the season i think it's going to take a lot for them to shut this thing down. Are, are, are you in the same kind of frame of mind there? Do you think it's going to have to be pretty dire for the league to actually shut things down? Well, I think you just have to look at economics. I think that's what this comes down to, uh, economics and money. Um, you look at the idea of there being a major outbreak, which I don't think will happen, uh, just based off of how they're discussing and describing this bubble. It seems pretty um, burst-proof to me, but we'll see. We'll see what happens, but no, I think NHL is in a good spot here. Um, you know, the players have an opportunity to opt out, and I think uh, with the plan that we're listening to, uh, it should be all good, in my opinion. And uh, if there is an outbreak, 
Uh, of course, you know, if you have like multiple teams with multiple players being uh, diagnosed and you have it going left, right and center, I think they put the season on a pause. But I don't really think unless the whole league, I mean, like literally more than 50 percent of the players get it, God forbid. I think that's the only scenario where they really cancel. I think the worst case scenario is they postpone it for a couple of weeks and then continue play. That's that's my opinion. I think uh, a postponement is likely, if if anything. That would be crazy if they pushed it back even further. We're talking yeah. about we're talking about the Stanley Cup being awarded in early October. Already right ludicrous. Yeah, it, it's it's unheard of. Where the season would normally be starting, the season is ending, and then from right there, with pretty much no downtime, we're going into the draft and free agency. That's uh, exciting for us, though, at least. It is exciting. Because that's something to write and talk about. Exactly. And it's going to it's gonna be a good amount of content, especially for the Ottawa Senators. You have to think that uh, when, when you talk about the draft, that's going to be a huge time for them. That's what they're looking forward to right now. And then who knows? Maybe they'll be even active in free agency. But if you have to push that back to November and then the next season gets pushed back till you know, maybe January or February, that's going to be just insane. I don't see how the league can pull off an 82 game season that begins in January or February and then try to start on closer to on time the next year. Right. If I can, if I can rephrase what I said, I think, like I said, if there's a major outbreak, I see a postponement because there's so much money on the line, but if there's a few players that get it, like a couple of players are like, God forbid, let's say Montreal and Chicago. Okay. A couple of players both get it. I think the teams will have to be isolated for a few days and get tested a few times. And those players will be quarantined. I think that's what will happen. I think everything else will be fine. I think they'll just triple test uh, the teams. And once uh, they're cleared, uh, they'll be able to play again. I think, I think, uh, you know, if a couple of, teams get hit with a couple of cases i think that'll just affect those individual series i don't think it'll yeah. affect the whole, the whole playoffs yeah the, sh- the show will go on if it's anything less than show a, a total t- yeah exactly anything less than a total tire fire uh, you know i live in toronto and i in talking to people i've heard concerns like people are a little bit nervous about bringing these guys from Florida and all over Hell's Half Acre into a city that has finally gotten this thing under control. Does that bring up any concern for you? Are you worried about teams starting a larger outbreak in cities and places that have finally gotten this COVID-19 situation to a manageable level? Well, I think that concern is always going to be there, especially during a global pandemic. You're always going to be thinking about the worst. That's what you need to do to prepare yourself. Um, but I think with the way the NHL is speaking and the way they're talking about it being completely sealed off from the public and the players being completely sealed off from the public, I think that's why they haven't announced anything with Toronto and Edmonton yet because they're still negotiating with Jason Kennedy and, of course, with Doug Ford and, of course, with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. They're still negotiating with all three different uh, governments. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot still to be hemmed down. I think Trudeau and Ford and, of course, Jason Kennedy, they all want to make sure that uh, the players are not uh, to leave the bubble. And if they're not to leave the bubble, I don't think there's too much to worry about. Um, but of course, that concern is always going to be there because we're in a pandemic right now and this year has been nothing but negative. So uh, yeah, we're going to think of the worst, but uh, let's keep it positive here. I think um, the government, the Canadian government uh, isn't going to allow it, them to come in unless they're certified not leaving the bubble. So Based off that idea of the players not being allowed to leave the bubble, I don't think there's a lot to be worried about. But if the players sneak out or the players leave the bubble, uh, then yes, you should definitely be worried because it all, all it takes is one person going to a bar. 
one thing we haven't talked about either is it's not just the players it's the staff of these facilities it's arena staff it's hotel staff i can't imagine that they're going to be spending three months inside this nhl bubble and hold up in a hotel right away from their families so my concern if anything would be that the players infect those staff members and they go out into the general public and now you have a wildfire situation where not only the bubble has been broken, but now we're going into the fall into where the second wave is projected to start and it could this, the consequences could be dire. So I, I, look, I've said from the beginning, if they can do it safe, that's the only scenario where I want them to do it. I, I, I'm selfish. I want to watch playoff hockey. You know, I really do. So my thing from the beginning has been if they can do it safe, then they should by all means try to pull it off. But man, like the potential for the more I think about it, the bigger the potential is for something really, really bad to take place. You're right. I I, I really didn't think about that aspect. And I I figured I figured that the league would have staff members or like, you know, caterers, whatever that would be a part of the bubble and stay in the bubble. But if you're, if what you're saying is true, that the, that those staff members are allowed to leave the bubble, then yeah, I completely agree. This is definitely something to be worried and nervous about because, um, you know, it, like I said before, it takes one person go to a bar, giving it to a few people and that's how you start another outbreak. So yeah, I think if these, if the staff members are allowed to leave the bubble, you should definitely be concerned, especially the first couple of weeks. Let's get into some lighter topics now. I think we've had enough coronavirus talk to last us a lifetime. Yeah, uh, it's going to be here for a while, but I completely agree. I think I think the beauty of sports and the beauty of these podcasts, like mine, are, uh, like the Best of Seven podcasts are, of course, the internal budget podcasts, which we're on right now. I think the beauty of them is just a distraction. So let's give these people a distraction. I'm all aboard. I'm all, I'm all in for that. Uh uh, something that's been a hugely positive development for fans of the Ottawa Senators. It's been the, kind of the worst kept secret in hockey right now is that the Senators are going to be rebranding back to their 2D kind of 90s look for next season. Uh, we were discussing this before the show, you know, obviously to the listeners, take this with a grain of salt, but we have both heard from a reliable sources that it's going to happen. Please don't punch me in the stomach if it doesn't. But, uh, Brandon, I, you're a little younger than me. Uh, I jumped on the Senators train in the 2007 season. So I was a fan of the same last. Around, around, the la- same around with me. Same with me. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. So we were both around for the last uh, season of the 2D jerseys. And I remember when they rebranded to the 3D logo, I was psyched. I thought it looked so cool because I was, you know, I was so young. And, yeah. and and granted, at the time, they looked pretty nice. That It's a, it's a look that's become dated now. Uh, what were your first impressions when Ottawa introduced the 3D logo? Were you, were you a fan of it or did you miss the old look initially? Well, I remember, I remember the early 2000s. Of course, I'm 18, so I don't remember the early playoff series with the Maple Leafs as much as some, uh, you know, do. I remember 2005, 2006, and I remember, of course, that cup run. And, you know, I remember how beautiful those 2D jerseys were. That's where the Sens Talk logo really comes from. That's where the inspiration comes from. But with the 3D jerseys, that was really – that's those are my – that logo is my memory of hockey for the most part. I don't really remember anything past 2006 because, once again, I'm 18. I was like five. So, or six. So, you know, I think the 3D logo in 2008, uh, bad season, but it was a cool kind of fun, funky look. 
But after a few seasons, after 2013, when Alfie left, um, and they introduced, of course, with the Heritage Classic jerseys, the O, and we started, you know, thinking of new jersey concepts. I think the Heritage Classic really got the snowball moving to uh, think of new ideas. So I think at first, the 3D jersey was a cool concept, you know, it was cool, unique. It was a modern version of the 2D logo. But now it's 12 years later. It's the same bland jersey. It's time to switch it up. It's dated for sure. I think as I think of as of right now, it's probably the worst jersey in the league, especially with the change. Yeah, especially with the changes they've made to it over the last few years, it just looks so bland that and collar. Yeah, collar, man. And the numbers, what they did to the numbers, they just went to these standard generic block numbers, and ugh, I, I don't like you know it at it all. Is? You know what it is? What the jersey looks like? It literally looks like a generic logo that you would have on NHL 20 when you're creating a franchise, and the numbers look like the the, the default numbers. It, it literally does. looks like they went on NHL 20 and were like, screw it, let's just boom, 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 default, default, default. There's no creativity into it. You look at a jersey like the Arizona Kachina jersey. Kachina, am I saying it right? What is it again? I think it's Kachina, yeah. I mean, like that. Those jerseys are wild. I love those. So if Ottawa can do anything funky like that, just switch it up. You know, I'm sick and tired of these bland red jerseys. That's why, like, to switch the topic for one second, the Seattle jerseys, I really hope they're, like, green or something, just something new, you know? Yeah, absolutely. They, it's, it's, what's kind of funny, too, is it wasn't so long ago that people wanted the O to be the main logo. They wanted to go with the Heritage jerseys as the main jerseys. Uh, but it, over the last year or so, this switch to the desire for the 2D logo has come about and that kind of classic 90s look. Why do you think that switch took place? Why do you think people went from wanting to see the O to wanting to transition back to the old 2D? Nostalgia. It's, it's, it's nostalgia. When uh, in the last couple of years, the Senators fan base, as we, as we both know, and everyone listening to this, I assume would know, uh, has gone through quite a quite a lot of change you know literally the whole team of 2017 was traded or dropped or waived or whatever they're all gone basically so it's nostalgia you know we, we were we were thinking of the good times you know and that jersey that logo resembles the the prime of the sanders the 90s when they the late 90s when they made the playoffs uh in that two one win versus buffalo the clinch the playoffs or you got that first series win the upset against the devils you know of course passed on from the Maple Leaf series, but then you got that 2006-7 run with that jersey. That that logo resembles hope for Sens fans. It resembles a sense of pride, and I think Sens fans wanted a sense of pride, and I think um, that logo brings back a lot of good memories, and that's what we need as Sens fans right now. So I think I used to be on the O train. You know, the, that's the jersey I have in my Sens talk videos, but I think uh, the 2D logo is just a much better fit right now for a team that's needing positive change and a positive um you know uh moving forward as a positive outlook i think it starts with the 2d logo because that really brings all fans from all different ages and times uh together because that's the logo that resembles the most successful era of senator talking i very much agree and that's something that ian mendez actually said when i had him on the show he said as from an organizational standpoint you have to go back to a time where you had credibility and where the logo and the look was synonymous with winning and with being competitive. And I, I think that's a perfect way to put it. I used to kind of be torn between the 2D and the O, but once Ian, uh, once Ian talked to me about that and kind of showed me that perspective, I really, really got on board with the 2D look. Uh, and I have a couple of them. I have a black 2D and a white 2D, and I love them both to death. It's such a clean, sleek look. Uh, uh, what are you looking for in 
the jersey like specifically like any little minor details that you're hoping to see when it finally gets revealed i just want it to look for better words sexy i just want it to be a beautiful jersey there's that jersey of christian Milanin circling around on twitter right now i think everyday sense put it out there on Instagram. yeah he did that's a great yeah. edit it's a beautiful edit. If they, it could, if it could look anything like that with the white strip on the arm with the red around it and this beautiful black, yeah, I think just keep it simple. And if you keep it simple, I think the results are going to be great. Uh, I think, honestly, anything after the jerseys we've witnessed for the last 12 years will look fantastic. But I think if you go, go to Everyday Sense on Twitter or Instagram and check out the edit that we're speaking about, because I think you'll agree uh, that the edit is perfect. You know, just the crispness of it. And, of course, I think the white stripe near where the the elbow is on the arm i think that would be really simple and nice it would really tie it all in together and uh it would be unique so i think uh speaking of anything you, keep i simple, think the you know? white stripe adds a little more on the arm the original look was just the black with a couple a uh, little with a couple red stripes on the arm and red numbers and everything it's on the yeah. side i mean i it, that that's a look that's a little it's dated again to use the same word it's something that's kind of played out i think the white stripe adds a different kind of appeal to it a little more going on i'm really hoping to see and i don't know why i love this look so much i want to see the i want to see the o as the shoulder patch like the per, the the old shoulder patch that they have now is perfect i think if you put that on a black 2d 90s jersey it's the it's the perfect fusion of past and present i think it's i think that would be a fantastic look i'm i'm on the board i'm on board for the alternate jersey being the o like either that uh definitely it it has to be yeah but either the centennial classic one or of course the white one from the heritage or just the black o you know the black jersey that they wore a few years ago i think the third jersey should be the o that just that just keeps everyone happy no one wants the current jerseys except melnick uh, uh, melnick supporters so you know so you just got just get the 2d logo for the main jersey and away jersey get the o for the alternate i think majority of sense fans will be happy and more importantly i think ticket sales will actually ticket sales and jersey sales will rise because like i said nostalgia the identity of the team will be back to the majority of the people of ottawa uh you you ask anyone in ottawa i sure i'm i guarantee it if you ask people what logo uh do you think of when you think of the senators of and success both together it would be the 2d logo so keep it simple and um you know obviously have a little bit of a splash with that third jersey with the o now i'm wondering brandon what you think what color jersey would be the best for the alternate <laughs> i was just gonna ask you that uh i think graham creech from tsn 1200 said it best there's already a bunch of red in the division there's montreal there's detroit uh, even Florida, if you Florida. Count, that, count that as a red jersey. For me, the home jersey, it has to be black. You have to go back to that sleek black look from the 90s. It's 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 a, it's a something that's not done as much anymore, the black home jersey. Like, who has black home jerseys? Boston, Anaheim, L.A. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Vegas, Vegas I guess. Gray? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of gray, right? So There's so really I, no teams, yeah. Yeah, so I think black would be a really unique look. And for me, I always like the alternate and the home to be different colors. So I want a, so I want a red O uh, alternate jersey. Whether If they keep the current Centennial one, I'm fine with that. That's a gorgeous jersey. I own a bunch of them. I have a Carlson and a Colin White. But 
but uh, yeah, so I, for me, that is my dream scenario. Give me the black 90s home jersey with the O shoulder patch and give me, I don't care if it's a new one or the current centennial one, but give me the red heritage O for the alternate. What do you think? Well, I haven't asked any of my sources about specific jerseys, uh, what, what the colors will be. But what I will say is I think the jersey, the home jersey will be black. I think we both can agree on that. So I, I don't see the centen- um, sorry, the, the alternate jersey being black as well. That doesn't happen often where the alternate and the home jersey are the same color. So I, I, I'm going to say you're either going to see the eggshell color of the Heritage Classic or more likely you're going to see the Centennial Classic because Melnick seems to love that Centennial Classic jersey. Uh, so if the owner loves it, I don't see why it wouldn't become a primary uh, alternate jersey. How great would it be if they had a home and away alternate set where they had the eggshell kind of white for for away games and then they had the black for or sorry the red for the home games. I don't know if that'll I don't know if that'll happen. Nobody does that anymore, but they should. Like why not have as many cool jerseys as you can? I don't understand why the NHL hates making money. Give people as many <laughs> jerseys as possible. Uh, do Miami Vice jerseys like the NBA does. Like do something fun, do something creative. People will People will pay out the ass for jerseys like that. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, why are you adverse to making money? Well, we're talking about the NHL, who doesn't, who, who's not exactly top-notch marketing. And you're also talking about the Ottawa Sanders, who is a continual cycle of distress and dumpster fire. So you're not, when we're talking about all these great ideas, we're not, unfortunately, what we're talking about these ideas is a league and a team who, like you said, refuse to make money. They refuse. I think that Miami Vice, I, um, you know, that, that, that what you brought up with the, the Heat, I think those jerseys are so cool with the, with the turquoise and stuff. They're really, really cool. I would buy one if I was a Miami fan. So I agree. I think the NHL should really capitalize on these jerseys. Now, unfortunately, I don't see the Ottawa Sanders doing that in those two jerseys. Um, I think the Centennial Classic will certainly become the third jersey if they go with the O for the third. Uh, but I completely agree. I think that would be really, really cool to see that eggshell jersey on the on the road, and um, of course the centennial at home. But once again, we're talking about the Ottawa Senators, and right now, uh, I rather than focus on getting product better product on the ice uh, than talking about alternate jerseys. Um, you know, uh, they don't have enough people to think about all the things at once. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you just said is a fantastic segue for our next topic of discussion. I want to talk about Brock Besser. Uh, because he's one of the better young forwards in the league. He's had some injury troubles, but the offensive talent is undeniable. He's got a great nose for the net. He's got silky hands. And unfortunately, the Vancouver Canucks, through their contract mismanagement, are reportedly in a place now where they're looking to trade him and move his, I believe it's $5.875 million cap hit. And then he's something like that. Yeah, and then he's got $7 million in his last year. And a contentious topic among Sen's Twitter was whether or not Ottawa should pursue Brock Besser. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? And if, you're, and if you're in a universe where the Senators are going to trade for Brock Besser, what are you comfortable giving up? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I think Brock Besser is a talented and hell of a player. I think if he came to Ottawa, he certainly slotted nicely to the top six. And, you know, I think you'd bring a a need to the team, which is goals. I think he'd really bring that. And uh, yes, he has injury problems, but you know, so did Steven Stamkos. And besides this year, he hasn't really got injured since uh, the, the mirage of injuries. So I think, uh, you know, just cause he has a couple injuries here and there, he shouldn't be, I don't think that should really go into play uh, for his value. I think Brock Besser on the Auburn Sanders, 
it's going to be a steep price. You know, I think um, any team will be willing to trade for Brock Besser. And I think uh, I don't understand why Vancouver, uh, you know, if I was Vancouver, you should have seen this coming from a while ago, regardless of, of course, the cap issues. But you should have seen that Louis Erickson was a problem. Obviously, you can't see the, the pandemic coming. But you saw that this Louis Erickson contract was to become an issue. And they really should have done anything possible to move that contract out. So they really shot themselves in the foot. So, yes, Brock Besser has high trade value, like I just said. But I will rephrase what I said in the, in the aspect of Jim Benning has no leverage now. It's out there that he's on the trade block. It's obvious that they can't sign him and Louis Erickson and Quinn Hughes. One of them has to go. They're not getting rid of Louis. They're definitely not getting rid of Quinn. So obviously Brock's got to go. So I think um, the, the the value is going to plummet a bit. It's not going to be like Mike Hoffman levels, but it's going to plummet a bit. Uh, if I'm Ottawa, firstly, before you make and pull that trigger, you draft him Stutzler or Quinton Byfield at three. And then you see what Vancouver's talking about. Because if they want Brandstrom in that deal, which I would assume they would, then if then you do that. You make sure you draft Drysdale at five then, because you can replace Brandstrom with Drysdale, maybe even a better prospect. I'm not saying he is, but maybe he is. So, um, you know, I think if, if I'm Ottawa, I need to look at what I'm doing at fifth before looking at anything. I think I'd be comfortable getting rid of uh, you know, Brandstrom, I wouldn't really, I don't really want to trade him, but I would understand why they would, because Brock Besser is that elite of a player. But honestly, I would, I'd assume Ottawa's not that high on Logan Brown, in my opinion. So if they threw in Logan and Brown and, uh, you know, a, a pick and maybe another prospect, you know, I'm just spitballing here. I don't want Logan Brown to be traded, but I think that Logan Brown would probably be brought up uh, in trade talks. And I think Logan Brown and a couple other assets, I think that would get it done. What I'm about to say might be a bit unpopular. Uh-oh. Yeah, here we go. Hot t- Fire up the hot take cannon. <laughs> but I, if the Vancouver Canucks are saying Eric Brandstrom or no deal, I'm walking away. I agree. I'm hanging on to Eric Brandstrom no matter what. For me, there are three prospects in the Senators system right now that are pretty much untouchable. It's Drake Batherson, it's Josh Norris, and it's Eric Brandstrom. Ottawa is not deep in terms of really, really good defense prospects. They have a few. They have JBD. They have Lassie Thompson. But to me, Brandstrom, and I think this is the general consensus, Brandstrom is above all those guys. Yes. His ceiling is so high. He is so skilled. I'm pretty, I'm not trading Eric Brandstrom for pretty much any price, including Brock Besser. Now, um, if we're talking about an Alex Formanton, I don't want to do that personally. I It would take a... It would, kind of leave a bitter taste in my mouth but i think that's something the senators would look at i don't think they i don't think pierre dorian trades branchstrom that said if you're talking about vancouver this is an interesting situation because they're not really in a situation where they're going to be looking to add draft capital above everything this is a team that's close to being competitive and they're trading a top score you have to think they're going to want assets back which for me, that might complicate things for the Senators because if I'm Pierre Dorian, my main priority is to hang on to my young prospects. So I'm saying, look, give me that Louis Erickson contract along with Besser. We'll give you a couple second round picks, maybe even the Islanders first, and we'll call it a day. Like that to me is my opening offer. Yeah. Do you do you think Vancouver takes that, or do you think they're gonna say, "Look, we we're trading one of our top young players. We need assets back." I think that's a fair deal. 
based off the idea that Vancouver has little to no leverage. Um, but I don't think they'll take that deal. I think a team will, like Buffalo, for example, I think a team like Buffalo or any team that's really desperate to make a move, uh, it's going to throw a lot at the kitchen sink at the at the Vancouver Canucks to get Brock Besser. A team is, I think, I what I'm trying to say is I think a team's going to overpay for Brock Besser. Uh, and I'm on the same table train as you. The Senators traded Mark effing Stone for Eric Brandstrom. So we're better. we better see... Brandstrom in a Senators jersey in the NHL developing. I don't want to trade this guy. I'm not giving up on this guy for Brock Besser or really for anyone, unless it's Carmi David or Jack Eichel or something, because we we traded Mark Stone, probably the most one of the most beloved Senators of all time, and it's such a short stint with Ottawa. One of the most beloved Senators of all time. So no, I, I agree. Brandstrom is without a doubt you say no. You say no, unless it's one of the best players in the league. Now, Formentin, who I see as a second-line winger and a second, third-line winger, he's definitely not a top-line winger, in my opinion. I think his speed is great. So, for Formentin, I don't want to trade. I think he's a great player, definitely going to get 40, 50 points in the NHL. But, um, no, I, I trade him for Brock Bester, for sure. Logan Brown, I don't want to do it, but I, I could definitely swallow it. But if you start talking about Josh Norris, you start talking about, you know, Drake Batherson and, uh, of course, Brandstrom and JBD, maybe – Lassie Thompson too. No, I wouldn't. I could. I can't. I can't do that because Brock Besser, in my opinion, he's a great, talented player. But Ottawa, the the players we just named, I have a feeling at least half of them are going to become really, really good NHL players. At least half. So, Formenton or Logan Brown are the only two players where I really don't want to trade, but I can swallow it for a player like Brock Besser. I think we can all agree that this is a scenario that Ottawa should at least be entertaining. Like Pierre Dorian should, at the very least, be kicking tires on Brock Besser. Um, do you think it's something he's actually doing? Do you think Pierre Dorian is going to make a run at Brock Besser, or do you think this is something he's going to kind of sit back on? Well, it's been widely reported throughout the years, and I have sources that would tell me this, that Pierre Dorian is one of the most active general managers in the league. If that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But he is one of the most active general managers in the league. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's given Jim Benning a call. Uh, that being said, will a trade be done? Like I said, no. I don't think it will be done. I think uh, a team like Buffalo or any other team that's really desperate to make a move, um, like especially Buffalo with a new general manager there, I think um, you know, I think these teams are def- definitely desperate to make a move, and they're definitely going to make a more lucrative offer uh, to Vancouver. Ottawa is going to really hold their cards close to them. And uh, I don't think Brock Bester will become an Ottawa Senator unless it's... They're going to have to outbid a couple of teams. So I don't think Pierre Dorian's willing to do that. But I think it'd be wrong of me to say that Pierre Dorian has, hasn't at least entertained the idea. Jim Benning's made some off-the-wall trades too, right? So oh, that's true. Who, for all we know, he may not be looking to retain assets. If you're talking about draft capital, then who has more draft capital than the Ottawa Senators? Nobody. Ottawa, no, nobody. It's not even close. Ottawa has more expendable picks than anyone in the league. So if you're talking, if you're talking about a package where you throw in, say, the Islanders pick, uh, two seconds, and maybe another second next year, I'm doing that all day. Slam dunk. Yeah, you know? for sure. Like you don't need all those picks, but. If it's something where you move into prospect territory, that becomes a little harder for Sens fans to handle, I think. Uh, And I think there's definitely an argument to be made that this isn't a trade that the Senators should be looking at for another year or two. But But on the other side of the coin, 
how often is a player like Brock Besser available at what's like at, at what's likely to be a reduced price on if he lives up to his potential, what's going to be a bargain of a contract for most of it? Listen, I agree with you. I think uh, Vancouver right now is really trying to free up cap space. So if I was Ottawa, I would be creative. I'd be like, I'll take I'll take Brock Besser, and I'll also add Louis Erickson, but that means I'm giving you less. So I keep my prospects. I'll give you a couple of sec- a first and a second round pick, and maybe a, a some smaller level prospect, like maybe not to throw not to degrade him, but like Philip Schlappick, for example, somebody that's sort of really fell down the pipeline. You throw in that guy with some with, who I think Schlappick will be an NHLer. So you throw in a, a a likely NHL prospect. You throw in a first and a second round pick, and you give them cap space. It's a win win for both teams, and uh, it gives Vancouver the opportunity to re-sign Quinn Hughes, Louis Erickson, and any other player they really need to re-sign. So I'm not saying that's going to be uh, the trade, but I think Ottawa has the opportunity to do something like that because they have so much cap space. What do you make of Vancouver's talent evaluation? Uh, I understand that if if and when this trade happens, it's for contractual reasons. But it's being reported that they like Tyler Toffoli more than they like Brock Besser. Do you agree with that assessment, or has Jim Benning kind of lost the plot here? He's lost the plot. Tyler Toffoli, Auto 67's legend. I got nothing but respect and love for the kid. But if you're telling me Tyler Toffoli is better than Brock Besser, you're out of your mind. Brock Besser, did you see his rookie season? I think that says all. That tells you all you need to know. Tyler Toffoli is a fine NHL player. He's a second liner, but Brock Besser has game-breaking abilities. So, no, I think Brock Besser is 100% the better player, and I think uh, Jim Benning has made some really good trades, and he's also made some very terrible trades and signings. So uh, the, the, the evaluation process there in Vancouver is all over the place. I think it really comes uh, because of the ownership there. I think it's not spoken about enough how inconsistent and all over the place that ownership group is there. And I think that's really messing uh, with their rebuild. But yeah, no, Tyler DeFoley is certainly not a better player than Brock Besser. It definitely strikes me as something that's complicated by Besser's injury history. Like we touched on before, he's yet to play a full season, which hurts him yeah. uh, in the eyes of many, I'm sure. Uh, and that makes it somewhat of a gamble, especially for a young team like the Ottawa Senators that's still realistically a couple years away from competing. But by the same token, you're adding a guy who would instantly be a top three player, a top three forward. He would instantly be on the Ottawa Senators top line. And now factor in the draft, we could be talking about a scenario where the Senators opening line, opening night lineup, their first forward line is Brady Kachuk, Quinton Byfield and Brock Besser. Oof. If that, if that's not disgusting, I, I don't know what is. And I guess my question to you, Brandon is, is this a gamble worth taking for the Ottawa Senators? Of course, it's price dependent, you know, depending on what they have to give up. But is this a guy you are comfortable gambling on if you're the Ottawa Senators specifically? Well, like I said previously, injury history is certainly of concern. But you look at Steven Stamkos. All it takes is one offseason of rehabilitation to get you back on track. Um, you know, the injuries will always be there. But what's a, what hockey player hasn't faced injuries and adversity, right? So... Yeah, it's definitely a concern. He has never played a full season, but if you if you look at injury history and let that dictate your decisions, then you know why is Tampa Bay resigning Steven Stamkos, for example? You know, it's it's just an example I'm throwing out there. So I think um, it depends on the price. Like we just said, it depends on the price. Uh, if 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 they want Bessner for like Brandstrom, 
no, I would never do that. But if it's like like you said, or what we said, a couple of second rounders and a first, the Islanders first, which will likely be in the late teens. Yeah, I'd pull the, the pull the trigger on that. And worst case scenario, Brock Besser doesn't work out in Ottawa. We trade him and flip him, and we get assets back. It's it's at the end of the day, it's worth it because um, the unparalleled levels of, of of success should be uh, approaching in the next year or two. So if that's really going to happen, this move would make sense to fill that criteria. It's definitely a big need that he would fill. Why don't we get to some questions before we wrap up here, Brandon? Yeah. Uh, Kevin wants to know. Do you think Daniel Alfredson will ever join the Senators organization again? Yeah, I think I think there's certainly an interest from Alfredson and uh, the organization for uh, a reunion again. I think the one issue is, of course, Eugene Melnick. I don't think he comes back until Melnick sells. So to be very blunt with you, uh, Alfie wants to come back. I, I could guarantee that. I, 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 I've never spoken to the guy about the issue, but I, I, I know he's... He came back. He's a Canadian citizen now. He loves the country. He loves Ottawa. And uh, there's a reason he still lives here, right? Uh, his family's from here. He loves the city. He loves organization. Without a doubt in my mind, he wants to become an Ottawa senator, executive, or anything eventually. But it all comes down to when or if Melnick sells. And nothing will change until that day comes, in my opinion, on that issue. I'm inclined to agree. I think the only scenario in which, Mel- or in which Alfie returns is one where... Eugene Melnick is no longer the owner of the team. I think that uh, relationship has soured beyond repair, and I think that is an opinion shared by many. Yeah. From Sen's guy Nick, uh, he asked about uh, Brock Besser. We already covered that, but he also wants to know who else should Ottawa target this offseason. Well, you know, I think Ottawa should certainly target a top four defenseman, uh, depending what they do with the fifth overall pick. I think Ottawa should definitely target an NHL defenseman and. Uh, some top six forward, you know, one of the two, and a couple of depth guys too. I think Ottawa really, you know, they don't want to be completely inexperienced. Next year they're going to have a very young team. One of their one of their veterans will be Chris Turney for F's sake. So, you know, I think nothing against Turney, but you know, bring back Borowiecki, bring in a top four defenseman to help Shabbat. If because we, we already saw what Zaitsev does with Shabbat, and I don't know what RTM Zub is going to do. So, bring in a top four guy. Bring in a, a guy who could play second or third line minutes, who can score and mentor the kids. I think two or three signings, including Borietsky. Uh, I think that's what Ottawa should do. Because I don't, I'm not expecting playoffs next year. I'm expecting improvement, mediocre maybe, but just improvement. I want to see them gain some wins. I want to see the Brady Kachuk score more. I want to see the Sanders become. I want the Sanders to start showing that they are going to become a force to be reckoned with in the league. And I think next year is a very important step. Uh, for that so I think Ottawa should definitely bring in a couple of assets um, not top level unless it's a Brock Besser who can, you can get at a good, a, at a good price but a more of a guy like uh, I don't know like Charlie Coyle or not saying he's available but a guy like that 30 40 50 points in that range a good player not superstar but a good player who will help the team now and help the players mentor help mentor the players so they can develop for the future yeah, for me, you got to look to the blue line. One guy we talked about last week who's maybe available from a cash-strapped St. Louis team is Colton Pareko. I think he would, yeah, I think he would be a really good fit, maybe a second power play guy in Ottawa, especially on the right side. That is a move I would absolutely love. We got one more from the DMs here before I let you go, Brandon. Uh, this one comes in from Ryan. If and when the 2D jerseys are revealed, what color are you getting and who are you getting on it the for, for the very first jersey? What color, what name? 
Okay, well, I think it's a great question. I think I'm definitely going to get uh, a white jersey. Uh, unless unless the black ones have the white strip, I'm going to get the white jersey for sure. It's going to definitely have Brady Kachuk. And I'm going to definitely get the C stripped onto him, uh, stripped onto the jersey once he's named the captain, because I have a really good feeling he will become the captain of the Ottawa Sanders, especially if he signs long-term with the team. By the way, sign Brady Kachuk now. Uh, let's get that done and over with. But um, yeah, definitely the white jersey with, uh, with Brady on the back, because I think that'll look really crisp and clean. Amen. I I agree with you, and I think I'm going with a black Kachuk jersey on day one. Well, match, Brandon, my on opening day. <laughs> there you go, brother. Brandon, it has been an absolute pleasure having you as always, man. Thank you for doing this. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you as always? Yeah, once again, thank you so much for having me on the show, and you know I really appreciate you having me on, especially during a time of um, lack of unity. I think we need to be united as a people. And, you know, especially with the Deshaun Jackson, Stephen Jackson and anti-Semitism issue as a whole, I really do appreciate you uh, bringing me on the show to to further uh, spread the message and further spread my platform to, you know, help people understand how big of an issue this is. So thank you so much for allowing me to do that. Now, if you wanted to check me out on Twitter, of course, at SenseTalk underscore, I tweet there quite a bit. On YouTube, Sense Talk, I do videos after every single Sense game. All my podcast episodes are uploaded there. I do Senator breaking news, rumors, etc. You name it. It's basically the TMZ of Sanders hockey, so f- subscribe to me there. And, of course, the Best of Seven podcast available on all stream platforms. And, of course, you can follow us on all our social medias, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Sense Talk Podcast. Brandon, it's been an absolute pleasure like usual. Thank you for coming on again, brother. Folks, make sure you check Brandon out on all the socials and definitely give the Best of 7 podcast a watch and or a listen. Why not do both? Get your double dose. Make sure you're really absorbing all that information. Thank you guys for listening as always. Make sure you like the podcast, share the podcast with your friends, download, subscribe, and hit me with that five-star rating, the little thing that goes a long way. Please continue to stay safe and stay healthy. Switching it up this week. Usually it's the other way around. Take care, y'all. Episode 27 coming at you next week.